Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. This is episode 49. We're coming to you from Las Vegas, uh, which is the home of the Consumer Electronics Show, CES 2012. Right now, we are going to be giving you a bit of a preview of some of the uh, some of the products and uh, things that we've found in the lead-up uh, to CES this year. Uh, there's a whole whole bunch of things that we've come across. Um, there's a there's a really a mix of of, uh, of products. Some of them are quite obscure and unusual, uh, but we thought it'd be interesting to uh, to just cover those off. So we've uh, been around and caught up with some of the founders of uh, of these firms and uh, and some of the people that re- represent them here. Um, or are representing them here uh, in Las Vegas at the CES show. So, without further ado, we're going to uh, going to dive into that. Um, and first up, we chat with Nick Wilson from Body Media. Nick, can you tell me a little bit about uh, the products that uh, you guys are showing off here at CES today? Yeah, no problem. This is the Body Media Fit. It's a body monitoring system, and it starts with an armband that monitor that you wear on your arm, and it's capturing 5,000 data points per minute through four sophisticated sensors that are measuring your skin temperature, heat flux, galvanic skin response, and also your motion and movement through a three-axis accelerometer. Taking that raw data, shoving it in through algorithms to give you information on your calorie burn, activity levels, and how well you're sleeping at night. And then through Bluetooth technology, it sends that data even further to your iPhone or Android. So you can track your progress in health and fitness goals throughout the day, no matter what it is you're doing, to see where you're at on those progress. Okay, so you'd wear this uh, basically all day and it logs all that data. You can then pick that up. There's a website or an app to have a look and see your progress. That's exactly right. So it monitors virtually 24 hours a day and then you can see on a website or on an application to see your progress on health and fitness goals. And so obviously there's a certain amount that it's able to pick up off the sensor. Are there, how, do, how do you get weight and those other things? Can you manually enter information to sort of fill it out? How does that work? Yeah, the only manual information that you have to tell our system is what you're eating. So after you tell our system what you've ate for the day, you can get a calorie balance. The name of the game is making sure you're burning more calories than you consume. So that balance is what really will help people monitor fitness or lose some weight. Excellent. Thanks very much for that, Nick. No problem. Certainly an interesting product there uh, from the guys at uh, Body Media. Um, I'll be yeah, be curious whether uh, this is of interest to any of our listeners. Uh, next up, um, we chat to Stephen Miller from uh, Lenovo. Uh, now he he's got quite a broad um, broad knowledge across the uh, the Lenovo range. And uh, um, here at the the press preview event, uh, there were there were a whole uh, a whole lot of guys from uh, from Lenovo. And uh, we, we chat to him about some of the products that are coming through. Uh, there are some other ones that uh, that you'll read about online as as well. So uh, yeah, let's dive into that and chat with uh, with Stephen. So I'm here with uh, Stephen Miller from Lenovo. Now, uh, Stephen, I understand you've just been uh, just been in New Zealand for your honeymoon. Congratulations. Thank you a lot. Yeah, I was. And, and truly, I'm as American as you can go. If you pick me out in a crowd, I'm the American. Um, but we did spend 17 days in New Zealand, and I just absolutely fell in love with the comp- country. We thought Australia was going to be the cool place. That's what you romanticize, Australia's the cool place. It was good. Then we went across a little plane ride over to New Zealand, and, and I was home. This is the most fabulous place. It's beautiful. The landscapes, the people were super nice. Um, the, the wildlife, the trees. We got the whole story on all the native species of plants. It's just so, we just truly felt home. 
And, and we only did, because of some of your earthquakes, we only got to the North Island. So we're going back to go to the South Island because I'm a little bit of a snow guy and I want to get down to the South Island as well. But holy cow, your country is amazing. Cool, that's great to hear. Now, just out of curiosity, what, what gadgets and tech did you have with you, Lenovo or otherwise, on your trip? What do you take when you're not working? I'm very curious, if anything. Well, um, I never go anywhere without my T-Series ThinkPad. It's, it's just kind of anchored to me. Also had my Android phone, which was really neat. It worked in New Zealand and didn't work in Australia. There's another thing for you. As soon as I landed and popped it open, um, I'm getting a signal and my American phone works in New Zealand. That was really cool. It was expensive, but hey, works. And then um, I also had one of my tablets with me because I like to play Angry Birds. And, and, and so I did have a tablet. So I'm at the hotel there in Auckland most of the time. And so I, I had three devices. I'm a geek. Uh, Excellent. That's cool. All right. Well, let's dive in and, uh, and chat about some of the other things here. I've been looking around your products here and there's, there's some quite interesting bits and pieces coming through. Uh, USB powered monitor. You've got Ultrabooks. Uh, there's, there's a new uh, TV. Can you tell us about what are, the, what are the highlights? What do you think are the best products here from Lenovo? Excellent. Yeah, it's been a really good last couple of years for us. We've grown from number four in the world to number two. So we're really just growing in our width and breadth of our products as well. We have everything from a 55-inch smart TV. So kind of taking that smart TV to another level so it's on the same wireless network as your phone. So you take a picture of the kids and hit a button and it's instantly on your TV. So across on the Android platform, we have Android-based telephones for China. We have 5-inch, 7-inch, and 10-inch tablets. So you can even start under $200 for a 5-inch, 7-inch tablet. Are, are those going to be coming into the international market? Are they China-only initially? No, all of those are, the phones are China only, but all of the tablets are across international markets. So, um, of course, there's a couple China only, but 5, 7, and 10 inch are also worldwide markets. Okay, and there's a, an Intel um, tablet that's, that's on its way as, as well? There's a lot of really neat things. The, the announcements that are coming up from Intel this year really give us a more platform. They've taken another step in their cooling and their power. So you're going to see a lot of really neat platforms from Intel, especially across the Ultrabook. I'm holding it in my hand, and there's several right around here. Intel has a new spec called the Ultrabook. So what that does for us is still their i3, i5, i7 chipsets, but it lets us get to a really, really small and thin form factor in a notebook PC. So under 18 millimeters or 20 millimeters. So super, super small, still in the Windows platform. And other things are coming from Intel as well. Okay, so what, what we saw uh, floating around the Intel uh, device isn't quite uh, official yet. It's, it's, it's early in the week. Um, our interview is on Sunday, and, and there's a lot of things happening on Monday and Tuesday. And so, yeah, it'll be, it's a very exciting week for us. Okay, that's great. Hey, thank you very much for your time, Stephen. You're very welcome. Thanks for stopping by. Okay, next up we talk projectors with Teresa Moy of Optima here in the U.S. Thank you, Paul. Um, yes, we are launching the PK320. It's the newest in our Pico line, and it doubles the lumens of our predecessor. So 50 lumens, now it's 100 lumens. And it's got a micro SD card. It's um, widescreen WVGA resolution, and it's got HDMI and VGA inputs. And it, and uh, end user price is at 449 Okay, so this this is US dollars. Now I'm I'm looking at this and and I've uh, I've looked at some of these projectors before and I found they're not you know they're not very bright. But uh, you know this one here is displayed quite small, but the uh, the the picture at that size is uh, is really really bright. In a in a bright room too, I have to say. And you'll see you're seeing it um, source free here. It's PC free because it's um, playing from its built-in memory. 
Okay, and uh, there, there's another uh, device here which is a little bit bigger. Is this a LED-based uh, device as well? It is, and it's the newest of our mobile LED line. It's our ML300 at 300 lumens, and it adds the functionality of um, being 3DPC capable, and um, it has wireless capabilities as well, and it can accommodate a full-size USB drive in addition to the mini and the SD card. So a lot of different inputs. Um, all, both of them have a built-in Microsoft Office Viewer, so it can translate your Office files seamlessly. So it can be a true you know, companion for all the Office Road Warriors. Okay, and what sort of brightness is this one rated at? I mean, this is uh, it's probably two or three times bigger than the, uh, the other one you showed off. Yeah. And what sort of price point is this coming through at? It's a different form factor, yes. It's kind of a, a category the industry is calling palm top. So it's a little bigger than the Pico and smaller than like your traditional conference projector. And that comes in at $499. Okay, so same, same sort of price. What was the brightness on that one? 300 lumens. Okay, yeah, that's quite reasonable. Now, we're looking at it here, I mean, very bright, but on, on quite a small screen. What size screen is this, and what size screen do you think would you usually work in a room this, this bright? Um, well, we're looking at on a 40-inch screen, but it can go up to um, 150 as well. Okay, so the, the Pico can go 150, but this is, you're looking at much brighter, and um, the color saturation is beautiful. So we've shown it on the wall, we've shown it on the ceiling, and, and it's a very bright room, and it, it actually showed very well. Okay, that's great. Could, could you show me that? Could you point it at the wall? And we'd uh, just like to see... Uh, um all right, so for, for our viewers, uh, our listeners, obviously you can't hear this, but we've now got this little uh, little 300 lumen projector up on the wall in a, in a, uh, a reasonably bright room at probably uh, well over 100 inches. And uh, it actually doesn't look bad. So in a dark room, that would be that would be just fine. Now this is running, is it 800 by 600, the resolution? It's, yes, it's WXGA. Excellent. Okay, hey, thanks very much for showing me that. Are there any other uh, big new products from, uh, from Optuma that you're showing off here at CES? Um, we are also in our booth showing the GT750e, which um, we've already announced, but it's uh, something that we can show off in 3D with glasses and the whole gaming experience. Um, in addition, we have a 3D home theater section in our booth um, showing off our HD33 and HD8300 projectors. So we're looking at full 3D 1080p projectors there. So you need to come by and see for yourself. Okay, we'll be having a look at that. We've recently reviewed the products from uh, from Panasonic and from Epson, so we'll be having a look to see uh, see how your products uh, stack up. Now, do you know if your products are available or if you have a distributor in the New Zealand market at the moment? Absolutely we do, and we can put you in touch with the right region to take care of that. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time, Teresa. Thank you very much, Paul. Good to catch up on what's happening in the uh, in the world of projectors. Next up, we head to a product from across the ditch. Right now, I'm with uh, Dave Thompson from AudioFly. Now, this company's a little bit closer to home, uh, based in Perth, Australia. Dave, tell us a little bit about um, the products that you guys are showing off here at CES. Yeah, um, g'day, Paul. Well, we AudioFly here from WA in Western Australia, and. Um, I guess the, the core of the brand is that we're, we're all musicians um, and we wanted to create a product that, you know, we took the, the in-ears that we'd use on stage and we brought them into the consumer space. So we have, um, we have four products that range from $29.95 US right up to $209.95 and at the top end we have our flagship product, the AF78, 
And the AF78 is actually a dual driver headphone. Um, what we've done is we've combined a balanced armature driver as well as a dynamic driver into one ear. So it gives us a hybrid arrangement um, and allows us to draw from the strengths of both different types of drivers for a really awesome, um, really awesome natural sound. So, I mean, how good is the sound? You know, get, getting getting these in-ear sounds, you don't expect to really get a full range of sort of you know, lows, mids and highs sort of really well balanced. Um, how, does, how does your product, how's it doing in the market? How does it compare with sort of, there's a few other players obviously in the, in the space as well. Yeah, well, we're, we're launching this year. <laughs> this is our first launch, so we'll see how we go in the market. I'll let you know. Uh, give me your email, I'll let you know. Um, look, the... You know, I guess we've all grown up as musos, so we, you know, music's sort of in our culture, in our blood. And um, like anyone else, we love just listen. We just freaks for music. So, you know, what we've tried to do is develop a range. We've, we've tuned the sound, created. We've actually tuned the drivers ourselves to to get a sound that is what we feel is, you know, doing the music justice. Um, I guess we, you know, felt there's a lot of stuff out there that's pretty um, either, you know, either heavily sort of celebrity endorsed, or it's, you know, it's sort of. It's created by brands that don't really have a, a real sort of vibe for, for music. So we wanted to, you know, bring that to, to our products, the passion that we have for music, and chuck it into to audio products. So that's us. That's you know, and hopefully, hopefully we'll you know we'll we'll be able to prove to the market that we um we have a compelling product. Excellent. Now it's a pretty big spe- uh, step to come to uh, CES. A fairly big in- investment. You've obviously brought quite a big team here. Um, do you think this is going to be a, a good one for you? I mean, uh, how else are you working to expose yourself onto the global market? Look, we are working in the pro space. We've got um, we've got some cool stuff that we're doing, and for, for certain musicians that are touring, you know, our neck of the woods, as you put it earlier, and that's really where our heart is to develop. You know, a range of in-ears for musos that really, they really, people can connect with, and they, they're durable, they're quality, that the actual componentry of the cables and things like that, are, they're, they're well built. So, you know, on our on our AF78 product, for example, with um, I guess the design of it, the the arrangement of the the housing sits really comfortably in your ear. But what we've done is we've used a, a Cordura yarn for the cable, and Cordura's never been used in in audio headphone cable before. And what it does is it gives the cable a really awesome durability. Um, it protects the conductors inside so your cable doesn't flake out on you, but it also pr- protects your cable from abrasion, you know, and so, you, so your cable's not going to be the missing link when, you, when, you, when you're using your headphone, your, you know, your investment. So we've sort of got this, I guess, a bit of a bent for design um, and really wanted to bring, uh, sort of get back to basics again with what product design was and, and create a product that was you know, got to be meaningful and, and really long-lasting for the consumer. And yeah, it's been a big investment to come to the states, and you know, we, you know, we're certainly putting ourselves out there. Yeah, well, it's what it's all about, isn't it? So. Yeah, well, I certainly, certainly hope it works out well for you. Now, um, you're targeting the consumer space, but this seems like a, a fairly high-end product. You know, do you think this is going to be used by you know in other situations as well? What what uses have you guys had yourselves with it, and you know, with other people's DJs and and the like? What else can you tell us there? Look, I think there is a you know, there's a lot of musos out there who are starting to use in ears, and not all not all musicians can afford a. A custom molded plug for their ears, which is fine, you know. And and I think um, there's a lot of working musos out there who are just they just, you know, music's not it's a passion, but it's not a massive earner for them. And what we're finding, and I've certainly found in the last few years, is come across musos who are at rehearsals or gigs 
and they're using just regular buds. I've seen, I've literally seen people with the, the famous white earbud in their ear on, on a pub stage, and that's cool. But, you know, we, we sort of recognise this is crossover, and a lot of people are spending money, spending more money. You know, people are, people are quite happy to spend upwards of 200 bucks on a, on a headphone. Um, and what I think what we're offering in our 78 product, our top-level product, is really compelling. It's actually going to give that bracket, we feel, quite a bit of a run for its money. So, Excellent. All right. Well, thanks very much for your time, uh, Dave. Uh, certainly look forward to uh, trying out your product and, uh, and giving some feedback. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much for that. No worries, Paul. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on the journey with us. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounded good. Um, now we talk energy in the home with Kevin Imes from uh, Allure Energy. Now, this is a little bit of a different uh, product. It's not a, a laptop or a PC or a tablet. Uh, Kevin, you're in the in the energy space. Tell us a little bit about uh, about your product uh, and what it does. Yes. Uh, so we actually have a, a home environment system uh, that is based on proximity. It's based on how far away you are from your home or how close you are from your home. We create the home environment that you want when you arrive home. What I mean by that is that we use proximity detection to adjust your temperature settings in your home, but we're also able to do other things like set the music in your home to what you want it to be when you're arriving home. Okay, that sounds cool. So um, now you, you're showing here on an iPad and you've got you, your own device that, that uh, my understanding is that, that replaces the usual sort of thermostat control that you might have on the wall at, at home. Uh, tell us a little bit about how those interface and, and talk to each other. Sure, yeah. So what we have is a thermostat replacement system. You replace your conventional thermostat from the wall. We use the regular thermostat connections, connect this unit to the wall, and we turn on the Wi-Fi in this device, and it connects to your Wi-Fi network in your home. Then you download a mobile app, and the mobile app is used with that specific device. So they're paired together, and they work seamlessly. That's great. Now, what what mobile platforms uh, will you be supporting uh, when when you launch? Uh, iOS and Android. Okay, and uh, when's your product coming to market, or is it or is it available now? Uh, it's going to be available in Q2, so this early this year is when it's going to be available. Okay, that's great. And what sort of price point are we we talking about? Uh, Three hundred and forty-nine dollars with no monthly fee. It's a one-time fee, the one-time price that you would pay for this device. Okay, that's quite reasonable. And in terms of what it does, obviously it, it, it does the, uh, you know, the control of the uh, temperature environment, that sort of thing. Um, tell us a little bit about the music and multimedia type features that are built into, into this device. Yeah, so this device is a full-blown multimedia device. You're actually going to be able to stream music to, this, to Eversense, and Eversense actually has a full stereo speaker system on it. So now you're actually able to replace the thermostat off the wall with a multimedia device that actually provides very quality music that you can stream from any device in the home. Okay, and this can also tie into other uh, other devices on your home network to control the music? Absolutely. Uh, it actually reaches out to decide which one you would like it to connect to and pulls in all of the music from there and streams it. Well, sounds like quite a flexible device. I uh, look forward to uh, seeing a little bit more of that as uh, when the product comes to, uh, comes to market. All right, look forward to actually showing you more. Excellent. Thanks very much. Take care, Paul. Now, this, one, uh, this one's a bit unusual. We're going to look at uh, some new stovetop technology uh, from the guys at 
Thermidor in Europe. Now I'm here with Malte Peters. Now, now tell me a little bit about uh, what you're showing off here. This is uh, again, this is something a little bit uh, unusual, and there's no no other similar products here on the show floor. So, so tell the listeners uh, a little bit about your new induction technology. We are going to launch in July a fantastic, very innovative product. We call it Freedom Induction. Why Freedom? Because you don't have any elements anymore on your cooktop. That means you can place the cookware anywhere you want. There are no restrictions anymore in size, shape, and form. Um, in, in combination with the Color Touch user interface, this is really the most innovative product that we ever launched. Yeah, certainly as the most modern cooktop I've I've ever seen. I mean, you've got a uh, uh, a touch screen, looks a little bit like a tablet uh, uh, touch screen, and then um, here you're showing off the full t- cooktop and one of the ones with the uh, with the lid lifted off, so you can sort of see the induction technology um, underneath. So, w- what are the sort of the um, you know what are the benefits of of this technology? Uh, the uh, benefits of induction in general are much faster heating. Um, you have a better precision in terms of cooking, and also more safety because the surface stays cool to the touch. But what we see here, it brings induction to the next level. Normal induction cooktops have like four or five elements on it, but here we have 48 three-inch elements under the induction cooktop. So no matter where you place your pot or pan. One of these elements, a couple of these elements, recognize the pot above it and then mirror it. We call it natural mapping on the user interface. So you see the size and the shape of your pot on the user interface and can operate it there. Absolutely fantastic and, and very easy to operate. Yeah, it looks cool. De- definitely uh, looks like the gadget for uh, uh, for the, anybody putting together the newest kitchen or uh, or a new home that wants to be at the forefront of technology. So uh, thanks very much for that, uh, Malte. Paul, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much and have a good trip back. Well, very cool stuff. Always good to have a, uh, a stovetop which, um, which can't burn you, right? Uh, next up, uh, we move from um, Thermidor guys in, in Germany. We move across to uh, to hear from GameTel, who are based in the the UK, with uh, with the new gaming controller. Right, right now, I'm uh, talking with Chris Bignall uh, from a company called Fructel, and you've got a new product here called the GameTel, which is a game controller for mobile phones and and tablets. Can you tell us uh, what what are the highlights of this product? Yeah, sure. Well, one of the big frustrations when you're playing mobile games, mobile gaming is brilliant, but one of the big problems is you have to keep touching the screen. Now, that's fine if you're doing Angry Birds because that's kind of the point. You flick and everything. But if you're doing something like uh, the the games we're playing here or Cordy, then it becomes a real issue because you don't want to be touching the screen the whole time. You can't see what's going on underneath. You um, you, You don't know that you're touching exactly the right part of the screen. It's a problem. This resolves that because it's a wireless Bluetooth controller for both um, Apple and also Android devices, which means that you can either connect them, hook them in together, so that you can then play the game. Oh, not very well in my case. Okay, so you just attach the screen to the controller. Yeah. And now the game that you're you're playing here, what are you playing, and, and has it been customised to be able to work with the controller? No, it's not customised at all. It's it's just a standard game that you would get on. Um, the uh, Android Marketplace and as you can see, although I'm not very good at it, um, it just works really well 
because you don't have to touch the screen to uh, to play the game. Well, your gameplay is not very good, but I can see my the game. controller's okay. Yeah, well, my gameplay's rubbish, but <laughs> it's just getting used to the different games. But generally speaking, the biggest problem that people have is that you know gaming with touchscreen is fine in certain circumstances, like I say, Angry Birds or something like that. For something that is like a proper game like FIFA or something like that, you need all the buttons and all the different controllers. And if you haven't got that, you've got a problem. Yeah, well, I mean, this makes it look a little bit like the um, the Sony um, Xperia, Play. Xperia Play, which we reviewed on the podcast um, earlier uh, last year. And, uh, yeah, it look, looks like a quite a handy uh, little device for those who want to pick the, pick the phone of their choice and then have this as a sort of add-on option. And, you know, I guess if you don't want to carry it all the time, it doesn't add that weight either. I think the thing about the Xperia Play, and it's a great device, is that once you've got it your phone is is a gamer's phone and you're always carrying a gamer's phone this way you can attach and detach the gaming part of your phone experience whenever you like so you don't have to have a gamer's phone all the time you can have a normal phone and whenever you're ready turn it into a gaming device yeah, and I see here you've turned it into a gaming console by plugging in the uh, Android device into your uh, your TV screen, and then uh, because the controller is Bluetooth, so you can just sit back on your couch and uh, and and get into your gaming wherever you happen to be. That's great. Yeah. So so when someone um, when someone wants to uh, wants to play games really badly, like I do, then then they can do even on the TV because there's an HDMI from this Sony Ericsson Arc here which means that we can, we can play the game on the TV and, and up to four of these game tells can be connected at any one point. So four of us could be playing this game together through our mobile phone and it effectively makes our mobile phone the, the gaming console of the future. That, that is actually very, very cool. That is great. All right, I'll thank you very much for your time on that, Chris. Uh, enjoyed having a look at that and uh, we'll be asking you to send us a review unit to play with. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Paul. Well, I'm sure that one um, will be of, of some interest to uh, some, of, some of our uh, gaming enthusiasts here in New Zealand. Uh, next up, we, we look at something that's uh, very non-technical, but a cool, uh, a cool gadget nonetheless, from Evertune. We're going to hear about uh, a bit of an unusual product here. Um, Phil, tell us a little bit about, the, about Evertune and uh, what it does for uh, guitar players, musicians. This is the guitar player's just love zone. This is called the Evertune Bridge. And what's so cool about it is that anybody can basically tune a guitar, but keeping it in tune is what's really important. This Evertune Bridge is a set of springs, okay, that will not let your guitar go out of tune. No kidding. So what ends up happening is there's no servos, there's no batteries, there's no software. It's just six springs, one spring for each string. It's kind of let up like a, set up like a seesaw. If two people are on a seesaw and one person grabs a 10-pound weight and the other person backs up a foot, well, they're balanced again. So what the spring does is if a string goes sharp, the spring loosens up. If a string goes flat, the spring tightens up and keeps your guitar in tune. Now, where this is benefit for guitar players, you put on a new set of strings, it's in tune. Strings are going to stretch when they're new, it stays in tune. If I'm on stage and it's a dark stage and a lot of lights come up, the entertainment lights, power lights, 100 lights come up, the stage goes up 15 degrees, it's in tune. If I'm doing a recording session, it's in tune all the way across the neck. So the cool thing is that it stays in tune. And if I pop a string, the rest of the guitar stays in tune because there's a dedicated spring for each string. So ultimately, to wrap it up, it's a very cool system that's just based on tension. A spring has nothing to do in this world but to be a spring. So it's a very low-tech 
solution to a, a problem that's been around for a long time. Absolutely. And basically what ends up happening is anything that has a string between two points can use something like the Evertune system. And Evertune right now, as it is, is available for electric guitars. You can put it on your Stratocaster, you can put it on your Les Paul, or your 335, anything like that. So it's very cool and it works on a lot of different things. The website is evertune.com and there's a great amount of videos up there and there's a lot of great artists using it. I mean, well, I was going to ask, yeah, who, who, are, who are the, I mean, you're a startup company at the moment, but you know, you, you've got it out there with a few people. Tell, tell us some of the people that have been using it. Slash is using it, Maroon 5 is using it, it, uh, you know, Billy Morrison is using it. There's a lot of great artists. This is our website here, Joe Satriani, Steve Vai's got one. You know, there's a lot of great people using it because it just makes sense. You know, it's not one of those things that you kind of have to buy into and go, okay, I'm going to use this new technology. It's just like one of those things that just it works. Excellent. All right. Thanks very much for your time on that, Phil. Thank you. Cheers. All right. And yeah, that was uh, quite a cool tool for the uh, for the guitar players. Uh, now we we video is the company that we talk to. These guys are doing some um, some interesting stuff in an area that you might not think uh, relevant, which is video editing in the cloud. So clearly, some challenges to deal with there in terms of uh, bandwidth with getting your um, your high definition videos up uploaded to uh, to work in the club, but once they're there, these guys have got some really cool software. So uh, we talk with uh, John Canning, the founder of uh, of We Video. Okay, right now I'm uh, I'm at the startup uh, startup event, and I'm with John Canning of a company called We Video. John, uh, tell me a little bit about the uh, the company. This is quite a new firm. You've just been in the market with um, this new online video editing solution just a few months. Is that right? Uh, exactly. We launched our open beta September 14th, and uh, we're now out of beta, uh, open for business and taking customers. In fact, we've uh, gotten over 100,000 subscribers already. So uh, can people jump on board and, and uh, do online video editing for free? Are there costs involved? How does it work? Uh, exactly. They can start today. Uh, we're that freemium model that means they can go ahead and try it out uh, for free. And if they like it, they can subscribe at any level they want to. And that's based on how much storage space they need, how kind of output resolution, and some of the more advanced features. So literally, it's a, a try it before you buy. Now I've just been having a look at the at the uh, at the software, and it actually looks really powerful. This isn't the sort of thing that uh, we've come to expect from online tools. It actually looks like a a pretty full blown uh, video editing system. Um, are you seeing business people take an interest in this, as well as just consumers sort of you know doing mashups of the of their own uh, you know family events and holidays and uh, you know uh, musical events and things like that? What, what are the what are the sort of situations you're seeing at you? in so far. Uh, you, you've absolutely called it correctly. Uh, we're everywhere from a consumer sort of platform to the business-to-business -business platform. Uh, so we see in the enterprise people looking at a platform where they need to be able to collaborate. They want to standardize on something that doesn't require them deploying a lot of software or deploying new machines uh, and being able to have powerful editing tools at their fingertips. Sometimes just taking advantage of shared storage, the ability to, uh, for a marketer to be able to pull a file in, change a bumper, change a title and go for it. So we're seeing that kind of aspect to it. We're seeing ourselves being integrated into existing digital workflows where they need a powerful editor, uh, especially the cloud-based solutions that are out there today that you're seeing where people are leveraging the cloud and the processing of cloud. We fit nicely into that. 
That's cool. Now, one of the challenges that uh, that I'm thinking, particularly uh, from New Zealand, where uh, bandwidth is a bit more expensive than than here in the US, is you know, truly there are some challenges dealing with uh, with HD uh, video in the cloud. How do you uh, deal with that so uh, so that you give the the users an, an acceptable sort of result? Uh, abs- you called it right, and that's what we identified as one of our big challenges and something that we're constantly looking at working on. So one of the things that we're doing is we're starting to develop tools that will help the user either cut out some of the miscellaneous materials so they don't need to upload it. You know, those shots of your feet, there's no reason to upload those. Um, all the way to coming up with some tricks to allow people to start editing before all the high-def material is up there. So you're going to see from us an evolution of tools to help people get content up in the cloud, as well as leveraging, uh, if people are already putting up their content in the cloud through other services, uh, we're going to we'll be talking to those services so we can pull it straight from those services into us. So we see that as our big challenge, obviously, but finding different ways to help the consumer. Okay, that's cool. Now, um, the business side of it interests me too, because in New Zealand, we, we've you know we've got uh, a lot that happens in the filmmaking space, the video editing space. Um, you probably come across one or two uh, of our New Zealand productions. Um, so, you know, I think this would be would be quite a bit of interest. What What are your thoughts around you know how how it will be used? I guess it's probably already people using it. Um, can you give me some stories about that? Uh, absolutely. Today, in fact, we're showing a demo uh, of a small little project uh, called the 9-11 Mural Project where a videographer in New York was shooting 9-11 murals around New York. He uploaded it into the platform. An editor in San Francisco actually did the editing, and then I'm in L.A., and I was being I was logging in and seeing the comps of that edit. So if you, you think about in New Zealand and you're shooting something in New Zealand, I've seen a couple small little projects come out of there. Um, how is somebody in the U.S. going to be able to see that? What are the dailies like? So we look at ourselves as, a col- uh, as not only collaborative but complementary to some of those workflows where somebody can upload some stuff. So say maybe we're scouting for a new movie and somebody's shooting something and flying all over New Zealand. What they could do is they could upload it. Somebody could actually see that in the States. You may even start doing, for example, rough cuts, um, assembling some things, so previs. So we look at ourselves in that an- effort where you- multiple people can log in Content can be centralized. We see the power in that. That's cool. Great. Well, we look forward to um, having a bit of a play around with your product when we when we get back, and uh, we might try it on some of our uh, uh, podcast videos that we're working on. And uh, yeah, wish you all the best with uh, with your startup business. It's fantastic. Thank you very much, and uh, I look forward to seeing what stories you guys are going to tell. Thank you. Well, nice software indeed. Uh, next up is Liquipel. Now, this this is an interesting one, and yeah, it sort of almost sounds too too good to be true what what this does, but yeah, it uh, it seems to work. All right now, uh, I'm looking at a product called Liquipel, uh, which repels uh, water or liquids off your uh, your phone or your device. Uh, I'm here with uh, Kevin Bacon. No, not that Kevin Bacon. This is another Kevin Bacon. Uh, Kevin, can you can you tell us a little bit about Liquipel? How does it work, and what sort of devices can this be used on? Tell tell us the story. Absolutely, yes. Liquipel is a coating for your electronics. It's a preventative coating. We're able to take uh, mobile phones, put them inside of our specialized equipment and coat them with our special formulation to prevent them from getting damaged. So we focus primarily on mobile phones right now, but we are expanding into other electronics. But it's a wonderful way to protect your electronics from getting water damage. 
So how waterproof does it make them? Can you go swimming with your uh, with your phone? How uh, you know how good is this, or is it more for uh, just uh, you know splash protection? Yeah, we would not recommend swimming with it. Our main concern when we started the company was to cover most of the scenarios under which people water damage their devices. And through our research and through our performance with our coating, we've come to find that we can cover about 90% of the situations under which people water damage their electronics. So accidents like uh, dropping it into the sink, puddles, rain, all these other scenarios under which your device would normally become damaged, Liquipel is able to save it. Okay, very nice. Now, what does it cost to get uh, to get a, a, a liquipelled device? Right now, to get your device liquipelled, you're around $59, $60 plus shipping, and it's available at www.liquipel.com. Okay, and do you deal with uh, international customers, or is it U.S. only at this point? Uh, we're primarily focused on the U.S. market, but we are expanding rapidly to handle our international customers as well. Um, through special coordination with our company, we want to make it available to anybody that does want the technology, so it's merely a matter of adjusting the shipping costs and also making sure it's an approved device for us to do. Okay, sounds cool. We look forward to uh, look forward to trying it out. Thank you. Next up, we're chatting um, to Tracky, uh, who offer an online task and project management uh, tool, which is, uh, I guess, you know, ties in uh, quite tightly with uh, with social social networking tools as well. Now I'm here with uh, David Goss from uh, a new startup called Tracky. Uh, now, David, tell me a little bit about Tracky. You're uh, you're currently in a uh, been in a, a private alpha stage. You, you're uh, starting in beta uh, right now, and then you're going to be launching uh, publicly fairly soon. Is that right? That's correct. We're going to be uh, launching publicly February 28th here in Las Vegas out of a facility that's called the Supernap, and it is the world's um, Number one data center, companies like the Department of Defense, Homeland Security, NASA, um, Goldman Sachs, eBay's main facility and such are in this this, uh, specific data center and they have an events area or a launch area in the facility. So it's a a private event, mainly for the media, but it's going to be extremely cool because you're in one of the the top tech facilities in the world where Tracky will be launched and that's where we're housed and hosted. That's cool, right? So, uh, for our listeners, uh, you know, probably very few will have come across you because you're so so new. Um, give us a rundown on uh, on what Tracky is all about. Tracky is one of the first truly open social collaboration tools that's on the web. Most of the time, when you when you consider using a collaboration tool, your company is buying it, and the team is are the, mainly the only people using that system. And no one's really tried to do almost like a Twitter approach to social collaboration tools or project management tools so that you can connect with anyone, assemble groups together, and then work, work with anyone on anything anywhere in the world instantaneously in an open environment. And that's what Tracky is. It's really the, the first true open social collaboration tool. Cool. Yeah, looking at it, it, it does have a lot of a, a feel of Twitter about it. I really like the yeah, very very simple layout. Um, and yeah, it look it, it looks like Twitter, and yeah, I think that that makes it uh, makes it really easy to use. If you think of uh, tweets as being tasks or things you want to assign to people or ask for input from people on, 
you know, Tracky, instead of it having suites, we call them tracks, and you, you can join anyone or add anyone into a track, ask for their input, ask them to collaborate on things, and the tool is meant to be an, an enterprise play, I mean a, a consumer play, not an enterprise play, and you as the individual can use it for your personal to-dos, you can use it for your social to-dos, could be like planning a wedding, could be planning a family reunion or a party, but you can use it in the enterprise if you want to connect with the other team members and work on projects together. Right, so it might be, I mean, for in our case, for instance, producing a podcast might be quite a good tool. We've got, you know, team members are working in different places during the day, uh, not in the same place, but we need to keep track of the various things to do, whether it's editing content, researching new topics, uh, you know, calling up companies that, uh, that we want to work with and we want to try out their products, those sort of things. Do you think that would be a good fit? Absolutely. That's exactly what it's geared for, exactly what we intended it to be used for. And another thing it can do is it can connect to external social networks like Facebook and Twitter and others. You can pull in articles, you can pull in uh, videos, or you can pull in photos, and then you can share those with the teams or the groups that you've assembled within Tracky. So you can, you can pull things in, you can collaborate on them, but then you can do the reverse. Once you're done or once you want to push something out to your Twitter stream or to Facebook, you can direct push those those tracky ta- tracks directly out as tweets or, or posts. Okay, that's cool. Now, uh, the URL, It's uh, can you give us the URL? It's trac.ky. So the word tracky with the dot between the C and the K. Excellent. That's good. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll certainly be encouraging listeners to uh, to check it out and uh, and have a look. And uh, we appreciate the invite to the uh, the private beta. And uh, I guess our listeners will be able to get in online and have a look at that themselves too shortly. Our pleasure, Paul. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. And to wrap up uh, this special episode of the NZ Tech Podcast, we're going to be chatting. Uh, with a couple of the founders of alu.net, that's A-Y-L-O-O.net, which is a new online discussion community, yeah, which seems quite innovative. Uh, My name is Mark Johnson. I'm the designer for alu.net. Basically, we're a community network, and we're trying to connect communities through a digital space online. So instead of uh, just having these spaces, these pocket communities all throughout, like where you are locally or globally, you can take your interests and find those people who are passionate about the same interests you have online. So if I care a lot about typography, I'm obviously not going to go to like a coffee shop and find a typography like lovers group, right? I've got to go find that some other way. And so on alu, I can actually go on there, find people who love typography, find people that are local and find that. And so now I can meet them in real life, have conversations with them in real life. And then when I'm not seeing them in real life, I go online, have those same, like continue the conversation there. So it's sort of a uh, fluid medium that I can go in and out of, right? So that's sort of what uh, is, I guess, <laughs> for me. Okay, just had a so so Alu actually has a membership right now. Oh, sorry, I'm I'm Sean Swanson. I'm uh, I'm basically the hustler for Alu. There's three co-founders: uh, Mark Johnson, me, and uh, Mark Chikoya, who's our hacker. Um, essentially, our, our, we have a membership now that's um, getting up there, and it's uh, it's mostly international right now, actually. So, like being from New Zealand, like there can probably start a. An, I think there are already New Zealanders on. I don't know if there's that many. Sweden is is dominating right now for. For number two, but um. okay, we'll, we'll we'll see how if we can change that and uh, and uh, see if we can beat the Swedes. Um, so so 
yeah, I guess what is, what is it that it sort of makes it stand out compared to existing sort of message boards and forums and other sort of places people go for their discussions right now? Uh, one of the main things that I think really sets us apart is uh, that we are identity focused. So you you sort of have an emphasis on on having your identity attached to your to your uh, your person while you're on the network, and that actually. We found that that actually helps with a lot of problems that forums have traditionally had, such as um, trolling, <laughs> basically. And it, it actually allows people to connect. There's a lot of people we've actually met on the site that we've come really close to over time in these community spaces, seeing each other post again and again about like passions we have. Um, yeah. We're a lot simpler, so we're not like, this doesn't look like it was built in 1995. <laughs> it looks like it was built like now. It's very minimal. We don't have like a bunch of ads and random stuff all over the place. So you can basically just get to the content that you actually asked to get and from the people you know or the communities you care about. Um, cool. And uh, is there a mobile element to it? I mean, can you, is there a mobile client or are you, or are you building some, uh, some mobile apps? Tell us about that. Uh, I don't have one right now. We posted a layout on our uh, news section, so you can see like sort of what it's going to look like in action, and uh, I can show you that if you'd like. Um, cool. Okay. Well, we'll have a. Uh, well, the listeners won't be able to catch that, but uh, <laughs> if they have a look on the website now, um, the URL. Can you just spell that out so uh, so that people can find it? Yeah, definitely. It's a y l o o dot net. Awesome. Okay. And um, in, t- in terms of development, how long have you guys been working on this? What are the technologies that uh, that sit in behind it? What sort of development, software development platforms and so on have you been uh, you've been working with? That's probably a better question for Mark, but from my uh, recollection of this, uh, it's built on PHP and SQL, and we've been working on it for really since about like last December. Um, I've been working on it since then. Mark's been wa- working on it since May. So that's really when all the development started, like hardcore on it. We, we worked on it before that and when we were in uh, college, but um, it wasn't until like we all got back together and started hunkering down. That- cool. So uh, what's your plan for making, uh, making your, your millions off, uh, off this? How are you, you going to do that? How are we going to mon- monetize it, basically? So... The, the thing that we've got going is we're trying to create these localized communities and one of the sort of areas that I, I at least find that is relatively un, definitely untapped is what Groupon's going after really which is local and small business right and they're not apt to advertising generally speaking right like you could tell them what Google AdSense is but whether or not they're going to actually go on there and advertise is a totally different thing so we're hoping by connecting these communities we can create sort of advertising that is not awful like that we will hopefully curate this is my dream whether or not this actually ends up happening this way it's a totally different story but basically we'd like to make it as simple as possible for someone to say like okay cool you're a pizza shop we have a pizza community um why don't you connect and we can just place an ad we'll make it for you say what you want to say say where you are and then you can not only have an ad but a conversation about your shop and everything with the users we have Okay, well, good luck with that. And the, the, the other thing that I found quite interesting you mentioned earlier is you might be opening up uh, m- uh, maybe a way for people to be able to incorporate uh, your technology and your, so- your, uh, your social media site and connect that in maybe as part of their site. Um, how far off do you think that would be? So people wouldn't have to, say, maybe plug in a, a, a forums module into their website, but uh, they would be able to leverage um, alu.net. 
Um, well, that, that, it's sort of on the roadmap where we're working on the mobile app. So we're working on a sort of big uh, a sprint right now to get all of our community stuff and our message uh, more on point right now. So after that, we're going to be working on the API because we need to do that for mobile and a bunch of other stuff. And it's basically going to come with that API for mobile, which is our next sprint. Okay, that's really cool. Well, thanks very much for your time. And uh, yeah, again, uh, best, best of luck with, uh, with your endeavors. Thanks, Paul. Thank you very much. <laughs> Well, I trust you've enjoyed listening to uh, to this special episode of the NZ Tech Podcast, where we've uh, uh, previewed and, uh, and and chatted with some of the companies represented here around um, Las Vegas at the Consumer Electronics Show 2012. Uh, you can, of course, find us online, nztechpodcast.com, facebook.com slash nztechpodcast, or, of course, we're on Twitter as well, NZ Tech Podcast. So thanks, everyone, for listening in. Feel free to get in touch, feedback at nztechpodcast.com, and we will catch you with episode 50, which uh, will be covering the keynote and uh, the first major uh, announcements of CES 2012.